Hello and welcome into the SoRare Data Strategy Show. I am Andrew Laird. You can find me as Lairdinho on SoRare, joined as always on this Friday by Sean Newsham, PSU fans too. Uh, we've got a really exciting show today. Sean, I was, you and I were talking about this topic earlier this week and all of a sudden we were like, wait, we should definitely have this discussion on the show on Friday. And then somebody who has been talking to us about doing a gallery review was like, man, I could really use a gallery review about now. And we were like, oh, wait a minute. This may work perfectly with our discussion this, uh, this week. So we're going to do one. For those of you who um, are joining us now, we do have a gallery review. The gallery is very different than one we've done. It's also on the larger side. But I do want to say that there are a lot of there are like a lot of lessons that we're going to go through that I think apply to people at every uh, level of gallery. And so just because it's, I didn't even check how big it was. I think it's around 90, 90 yeah. ETH or so. Yeah. And, which and is this big. Person, this person just got an influx of, of ETH that they had no business getting. And that's, they got, that's, they, that's got totally, they got totally they got totally bailed out on a purchase that we may have uh, previously discussed and partially ridiculed. Um, I still would ridicule it to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's why that is why Laird, we are here to discuss actual SO5 strategy, not trading strategy, because we are not traders. Uh, in fairness, I don't think anyone who is an expert in trading would have seen that trade coming anyway. But anyway, regardless, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, we will do that one toward my my guess is towards the end. Um, just because there are some things we want to discuss in terms of um, just this topic of when to pay the tax, which is really just the when uh, are the right times where you just kind of have to say, all right, I'm going to go spend up in whatever spot to get whatever player for this competition. And uh, I completely appreciate that, like, it's easier said to just be like, yeah, just get the more expensive guy. And I think we can all kind of agree that it's easier to play this game if you have a bigger budget. Um, but just because you can buy the more expensive players doesn't mean those are the ones that are going to help you in SO5 the most. And so we're going to talk about players that don't fit this and then players that do. And this gallery review will include plenty of both. Um, so thank you to everybody who has joined us live. If you guys wouldn't mind hitting the like button if you've already liked what you've seen so far. And of course, anyone watching the replay, uh, we appreciate any sort of uh, feedback, uh, as long as it's positive. Um, so, Sean, this topic came up because of a card that you bought earlier this week that you have been trying to buy, and you finally got it. It was the thumbnail here. Do you want to explain a little bit on why you thought buying Jota was so important for your gallery? To be fair, I could have bought someone else probably, but... You could have, but I you didn't. Looking at the U23 forward options going into the year, everything indicates that Jota is all but signed for Celtic and will be at Celtic for this year. It like it seems like it's done and it's been done for like two weeks. Um, but anyways, if you look through the, do you want to pull up a list of like U23 forwards and sure. we'll we'll sort through all of all of the options that we have, um, and we'll help explain why I wanted to get Jota and why I felt that it was um, worthwhile. It also helped that I won like a secure um, card and it sort of like offset some of what I paid for this card as well. 
Uh, I will say uh, to cut you off quickly, though, uh, for those of you who are listening on Spotify, if there's a video option there, so you can pull this up anytime we uh, pull up anything on the screen, uh, it's available on Spotify. I feel like I always mention that at the end when everyone's like, oh, I guess I could have watched this. Uh, so here at the beginning, if you are watching on Spotify, obviously you can see it on YouTube, but all Spotify people should be able to pull up the video of this to see exactly what we're talking about. So right now, for those who are listening elsewhere, we're just looking at the uh, player rankings page on Sorter Data, uh, filtering for uh, U23 forwards. Yeah, and so we are talking about Jota. So let's sort L40, and then let's show the floor price as well, Laird. You gotta, oh, yeah. gotta, gotta get all the things in. So we're gonna talk about like the sort of options here that we have, all right? So Kylian Mbappe is the ultimate tax. That said, obviously there's a reason why he's the ultimate tax. If you have unlimited budget and you are someone that just has 14 ETH to go plot down on a card, totally go get Killing Mbappe. I have a big gallery. That card isn't something that is in my wheelhouse to go buy at the moment. Um, could I make it happen? Possibly, but it would just cost too much sacrifice elsewhere for me to realistically go and do it. So well, I want- well, Sorry, I'm going to cut you off again. I was spoke, speaking to someone the other day who said, who has an Mbappe and said they would take 12 for it. So don't let that 13.99 floor- throw you off 12 is in the range 12 is within range so i i have a situation that like look look if you look at the scoring like you see mbappe is as elite as they come here right yep. so totally go get him if you can but if you get him again you're going to use him in champs you might use him in u23 it's just it is what it is if he gets injured though man is that going to hurt um and you're not going to have a good time with that so realistically speaking i'm looking for a more um, realistic option. Also, I apologize for the dogs. Realistically, that is all Laird's fault today. Um, we were planning on recording earlier when my dogs were at grooming, but they, they've they been quiet recently because we filmed at a good time, but they uh, they got groomed today, so they're, they're pent up with, with energy. That is my bad, sorry. Yeah, they're ready to run around and play because this is, now they're, they're tired from that and they just want to play. Um, so that's all Laird's fault today. So anyone that is complaining about my dogs today that this time. please direct it to me absolutely yeah. absolutely um so anyway so we, we're gonna look through the forwards here in the options and why i thought it was uh a good play for me to get jota so looking at the u23 forwards people that are comparable to jota we're gonna say like we want a guy that's like over a 58 type player whether it be an l40 or l15 like whatever you, you want to expect that type of production from him um so we look at gakpo right Neither Laird or I think Gakpo remains at PSV this year. And when we say all this stuff, it is possible that these guys are going to remain at their team, but it's more than likely they're going to move on to a far worse situation than what they're at. But so Cody Gakpo has been rumored heavily to Arsenal, so I don't want to bring in Gakpo. Uh, Julian Alvarez is uh, approximately 28 days from death. Um, he will be moving to Man City, where you can see him most likely feature in the Carabao Cup coming up. Um, <laughs> I'm partially kidding on that. I actually was talking to Laird yesterday. I think at some point he'll get a run of games where he scores a goal like for like four straight games, and he'll be worth like three or four eighth card. But realistically speaking, he's not going to be a totally playable card at any point. Um, How about, so, what, if, what if he scored four in one game? I, it's going to happen. Like He's going to have a big game at City at some point. Um, and it's going to be on a game at some point he's going to put up a big score and he's going to sell for a bunch. But the problem is it's just going to be very difficult to play him. Mm -hmm. um, so then we move to Sinistera. Again, lots of rumors. Uh, it's, I've heard Napoli around him and other places as well. Then there's Vinicius Jr., who, again, like you're talking 4.3 ETH for a guy that 
what you would expect is for him to be worse than Jota um, overall in terms of this upcoming season. Is he a better long-term player? And do I have any negative things to say about going and paying 4.3 ETH? No, not at all. But for me personally, I'm looking to get the most bang for my buck as I can out of him. And Jota fits that a little bit better. Then we go to Jesper Carlson. I have a Carlson, so he's not really relevant here, but he could stay. I've heard rumors that he's likely to stay, um, but he also could move. And then Holland, again, you go into the tax discussion. And then Tati Castellanos, we've, Laird and I uh, were quoted <laughs> recently as saying, hey, every rumor that Tati Castellanos is getting is just amazing. And uh, <laughs> they were so good. That's not the case anymore. The, no. the, the rumors were like God spot, God spot, God spot. And then like, I think the they were River, Minero, and Palmeiras. And Palmeiras. And Bruges, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we were like, like bring it on. Those rumors have gone from like God spots to like death. West Ham and Leeds. West Ham and Leeds. So like definitely don't want Tati. Um, Anthony <laughs> likely moves. We don't really know what his situation is going to be. Um, Zion Fleming, which he's actually someone we'll talk about later as like the study of what we're talking about. Um, Zion Fleming is likely to move, but likely gets an up graded team so he actually uh could be a decent buy but i again i own him vlahovic i want nothing to do with vlahovic i'll be honest uh, i just don't see him scoring 35 goals or something in Serie A to where he'll really be a consistent producer for the time being like if you have him like and you want him like great but i just from an so5 perspective i don't see it um jesus i think Ferreira, if i want him i'd sell him immediately like yeah, me personally i would also sell vlahovic immediately i think i don't think i would hold on to that one um just me. Uh, Jesus Ferreira, again, he's an American. His AA's dead. He's leading the MLS in goals. But again, it's American. I'm looking for a European U23 option. Diaby's expected to leave. Darwin's expected to leave. Leao is rumored to leave. Um, and again, I don't think Leao's as good as his stats are showing. I think he ran hotter than the sun recently. So yep. like, we've gone through like 20, 25 names. Nobody is a safe option except Jota. So for me personally going into the season... I just wanted to lock up what I viewed as a top three or top five U23 forward option that I don't really have any questions about him. Now, that said, if something falls through with Celtic, which it doesn't seem like it's going to, and like I've seen the expected numbers, like they're not asking for 40 million for Jota. Wow. Like it's it's a reasonable number that I think it's going to get done. Um, but he's the only one that I view as an option that makes sense to me, that is going to be like a... I can plug him in. He's going to be a good U23 forward option this year. He's the only guy that I view as like a top 20-ish option that is like super duper consistently safe without paying the like Mbappe, Vinicius Jr., Erling Haaland tax. And and I, again, like there's no issues. Like in my opinion, one of the good times to pay a tax would be on Mbappe, Vinicius Jr., Erling Haaland. But if you're paying 12 to 14 ETH for Mbappe Halan, your gallery better be massive. Otherwise, yeah. I just think you can do better using other players and, and getting other options in. Whereas like Vinicius Jr., I think is in a pretty good spot to get. Um, he's one of my biggest regrets. I Him and there's another card, which we will talk about today, uh, comes up prevalent or comes up very primary in the discussion we'll have later. But I have two players that I really regret not buying. They're rares. Um, at a point where I just like, I try, I was trying to save like 0.1 ETH and just backfired in my face. And I just will probably never have those cards realistically. Um, or I will pay like 10 X what I could have paid at that time for them. 
How much do you um, like just refuse to buy guys because you turn them down at a at like a, a stupidly low price? It, it's more so like I'm just not going to pay 4.3 for Vinicius right now. But we'll talk about the price I looked at him as because I remember exactly when I looked at him. So we can go look at the price graph later. And uh, well, here, let's look at it now. So I was trying to buy Vinicius Jr. last July at the beginning of July because I was on my honeymoon and I was looking to buy him when I was trying to buy um, Lataro Martinez. And I was thinking about buying um, Vinicius Jr. in this range. So it's probably slightly higher than that. But, like, yeah, I could have bought Vinicius Jr. at, like, 0.5-ish and just didn't pull the trigger because I'm pretty sure I was probably trying to be, like, oh, I don't want to pay 0.5. I want to pay 0.45 and send all of it. And then all of a sudden he was up at 1. And I'm, like, well, I don't really want to pay 1. I'll pay, like, 0.8. And then all of a sudden he was at 2. And I'm, like, well. I'm, I, I guess I'm not getting him at the time being. Yeah. That's a tough one for Do sure. you have cards like that for yourself, Laird? The, 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 this one and the other one. The other one's probably a bigger regret for me that I did not buy those two cards. I, the one that always sticks out to me is um, Sinistera, who this time last year, I, I want to believe he was like 0.1. Yeah. Um, yeah sure. so I guess he was over, a little over. Well, it was like really April, May. So if we go even further back, it's like, yeah, it's just so. Oh, I remember he got up to like 0.12 and I was like, that's I don't think he's worth that much. And obviously you can see that was a gigantic mistake on my part. So. Uh, so Sam just asked the joke to value change, in my opinion. So I it's I don't think he's going to go up tons more when Celtic announces. I think maybe he'll go up to like two and a half, three. Um, but it's more so I'm just comfortable enough at this moment to take the risk that he's going to sign there because everything seems in in the door. I should have bought him. I actually tried um, when he was around 1.5, and I just didn't get the job, deal done. But I eventually got it done around 2. Um, but it's I just, for me, I feel like the risk is worth it now because I just find it very unlikely that he doesn't go to Celtic like to me it's like 95% of the way there so if I can save like an ETH for a 95% shot I'll take it I think um, he's I think he's priced like it's done he's priced like it's nine he's priced like it's like 80% of the way done I think I, I really don't think it goes like I do because if you look so go look at Gakpo from last year I guess it, the we got some steals today no yeah, I'm right in that range. That's where I'm at. But like, go look at Gakpo. If we go look at Gakpo, um, you can look at his price point like last year around this time when it was like he was rumored a little bit elsewhere, but then he got locked in. And obviously, like prices were were changed there. But like, as you went, like he never really got to a point that uh, that he dipped back down. And then like even when things just remained stable, he slowly, gradually climbed instead of like a skyrocket. So I think like Jota's probably about where he's going to go. I don't really think there's tons of room for growth in there because like I don't think he can get up to where Vinicius Junior is right because if he gets to that point, you would rather just buy Vinicius Junior. Yeah, I think there's a decent number of people who just assume that he's at Celtic already because he's wearing a Celtic shirt. That's fair. That's simple, great. like literally as simple as that. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think there's like any opportunity to buy Jota thinking you're going to, you're going to make a decent return just on the, the, you know, the transfer becoming official, but that doesn't mean there won't be a few, I guess. I just don't think like the, the actual ROI upside is that big at this level. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't think, I'm not expecting Jota to go to like three or four ETH. I just, 
I really wanted. Oh, that said, though, I don't know because like Mbappe and Holland have really gone up recently. It's realistic. No, I, I completely disagree. I don't you think do. you'll ever see a, a challenger forward get to that level. I, I it's it's not as much about where. I don't think it's as much about the challenger aspect as it is about um, where the other guys are. It's about the gap, right? Like, I think it's limited right now because Vinicius Jr. is at 4.3. So, like, realistically speaking, you're not going to pay 3.5 for Jota. But if, like, Vinicius Jr. gets to, like, a 6 ETH card, I think there's more room to grow for the challenger forwards, if that makes sense. The issue is, is there's going to be, like, a, a list of, like, five of them. So instead of, like, Jota going from, like, two to, like, four and a half, Jota, Carlson, like three others might go from like two to like two and a half. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just think like, a ch- like I said, a challenger forward will never get to the Venetius range. Like, no, meaning, I meaning think it's a gap. Venetius will be 10 if, if Jota is five. Yeah. So Sam just asked about uh, SOFI perspective. Would you, assuming Jota's at Celtic this year, would you rather have Jota or Venetius? from an SO5 perspective. For me, it's Jota, it's not really close. But like long-term, I would rather have a Vinicius card because Vinicius is a much higher end prospect than what Jota is. Um, whereas like, Jota, we're, we're, sorting by, we're sorting by an L40 here, but like Jota's Celtic log is a lot better than the 65. Like he's probably closer to like a 70 type player um, with what he was doing at Celtic last year. So- Easy way to find out. Yeah, so like you see, like, and his all around's pretty good for the most part in most of those games as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Vinicius is great, though, too. Like, there's nothing obviously wrong with, with Vinny Jr. It's just, I think that we will likely see Jota be a very, very strong option. Plus, there's something to be said. Celtic have a lot of weird game weeks where um, having a player like Jota is really beneficial. And, and you and I have talked about that a bit recently, where Weird game weeks and game weeks where you can really uh, produce. It, it You don't necessarily need 20 million cards in a certain game week. Like last week with Challenger Europe, you and I talked about it, the Rare Pro Division. I won the Rare Pro Division, got about 1.2 ETH from winning that division just because I had a weird Ajax stack that, or I'm sorry, a weird yeah. Altmar stack Altmar, yeah. that had a, uh, a good matchup and it was able to probably win. So like Celtic, you have some weird Celtic stacks. Actually, so Josh Forth is in here. He was talking... He messaged me the other day. He has like a McGregor Super, a Jota, a Meta, a Carter Vickers, and another card from Celtic. He's like, do I really need a Joe Hart? And so we both know the reason yeah. why he doesn't want Joe Hart, right? Because he sucks. Yeah. Joe Hart's just bad. But I told him, like, yeah, you pretty much need a Joe Hart because Celtic have enough weird game weeks where just having a Joe Hart will be pretty important for you from that perspective. Well, So what's funny about that one is, is that Josh has to pay the tax on Joe Hart but not because he needs like an upper tier challenger goalkeeper and not because Joe Hart is any good. It's because all of his other cards require it. Like, like he has too many Celtic guys not to make that move. Yeah. And, cause, and so, because you're lo- literally, if you get like three game weeks over the course of the year where there's like seven teams playing, like there's seven teams playing, you get a decent amount of rewards. But realistically speaking, there's only so many people that can win them because you right. have to have effectively a stack. Like last week in Challenger, it was, uh, Rapid VN, uh, Alkmaar, Vitesse, and one other team. I forget who the other team was. Whoever was playing Rapid VN was the other. Like, there's four. But, like, 
they gave out five cards in Rare Pro, and there was only like 15 lineups. So like, if you have a lineup and you have an actual lineup, um, it's good. Yeah, Hendo, I'm not saying you, you know, did yeah. <laughs> season, but let's be honest, Hendo. Do you really believe Joe Hart is an upper tier goaltender out there? I I think the the uh, not to use like a baseball term of like whatever over replacement, but like if Zach McMath is the goalkeeper at Celtic, you're probably playing an ETH. Like Joe Hart. If Sean Newsham is the goalkeeper at Celtic, you're probably <laughs> like, all right, here's a serious question. Like, so I'm, I'm six, five, I'm a big dude. Like I can realistically cover the net and I can catch balls and I can do, I can do the basics of a goaltender, right? If I was like this, the, let's pretend like I was the IX goaltender. Where, do, where does IX finish on the year? Like, cause it, I'm, I'm telling you, like, I don't think it's relegation. Do you think they're getting relegated if I'm in net? Oh, no, no, no. Like, do you think it's a mid table? Cause I'm not even sure it's that low. Yeah. I was going to say, I think they're still. Like, yes. If I'm in net over someone else, like I'm giving, I'm giving like a bunch of goals on the year, but when you just hold possession the whole time and there's no pressure really on the goaltender, their, their work rate and what they need to do is just a lot less uh, difficult. I mean, I, I, it's as simple as they absolutely smash the league. Yes. With Remco Pasphere, Martin Stecklenberg. Like, let's be honest here. They're actually it's, older than me. They're, they're, yeah. There's very few people older than me. You're one right. of them there, but like yeah. they're... They're, they're almost my age. Me. How about that? Yeah, like um, they're older than me. Yeah. As Zarki pointed out, that you and Onana had the same number of clean sheets, right? Yeah, like, I mean, realistically, could I have been worse than Onana in that last year? Last week? last year i don't know i mean it would have been tough no I mean, i'm not i'm i'm not like obviously saying this, Even like, facetious some here, of the team yeah. just holds so much possession where the literal they the goalie faces zero shots if you face zero shots you can't really give up a goal in that situation right i would well, imagine my l40 would have been like well there probably would have been a lot of errors led to goals so it probably would have been like 35 i would have said my l40 would have been like 35 but there probably would have been five or six clean sheets where the ball just didn't come near me one time. Right. Yeah. At least, yep. at least. So like you, like you, you would have seen me against Zwolle. You would have been like, man, I'm going to plug him in. He's not going to touch the ball. <laughs> well, we see this with the, like the Joe Hart scores here. Like he's yep. gotten over 70 once. Correct. In the last Which year. Is, we've talked about it before, right? He's like, he's like, uh, he's Langerick. He's, he is the Scottish version of Langerick in this situation. Um, but meaning Scottish league, Scottish league. Yes, of course. But mm -hmm. we have seen what has happened to Langerak when he hasn't kept a clean sheet in 75% of the games. Um, and it's not great. Now that said, uh, obviously Celtic is a much better team in comparison to league than the Grampus is in comparison to the J league. But like, there's yeah, been a lot of yeah. just absurdly stupid. Also, like, I mean, we've talked about it before as sober has developed. It's been a, you really need to put up a big goaltending game. Like, if you really want to get up near a podium, like yeah. a lot of the time, your goalie needs 75 to 80 points, which, as you see, looking at Langrak, he uh, has recorded zero of those. Um, not saying, like, obviously, if your goalie gets 60, like you're pumped and, like, that's great. But to really, really win a lot of the time, it seems like your goaltender needs some big boy scores. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> it's, that's just part of the luck of the game in that, in that respect. Like you could have the best goalie, but you need the luck of your crappy goalie to save a penalty in a random clean sheet. So, so Hamey makes a good point. He's like, if I was in net, there'd be a lot more like speculative turd shots from uh, 
from like 40 yards that would just like dribble in on Yeah, John Joe Shelby's having a field day against you. In my day, I'm a pretty athletic person. I may be incredibly out of shape. And if I had to run from one end of the box to the other, I would be like dripping in sweat and, and like need an oxygen <laughs> tank. But like I have really good hand-eye coordination. If the ball is kicked at me, I will generally make a play on the ball and I can probably keep it out of the net. <clears throat> I can't believe this is where we've gone with Joe <laughs> Hart conversation. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know what, Laird? How would you would you be a better keeper for me for Ajax, or would I be the better keeper than you? I think you'd be better than me. Okay, you cover more ground. Simple as okay. that. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I didn't get to see your athletic prowess on display in uh, Orlando because you didn't step into the batting cage. Yeah, I was way too hungover to do anything. You were not looking great that day to uh, to step into. I was the not. Game. I was not. What was I going to? Oh, I was going to see what Joe Hart is going for. Well, 1.4. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Dino is talking about how we're uh, underestimating the speed of the shots. Yeah, but that's not fun. If we don't pretend like we could yeah. do it, like, that's not fun. I mean, it's just way more fun if I can act like I can be the Ajax goaltender. Right. Absolutely. Like when you're sitting there and somebody misses some free kick and you're like, oh, I could have done that. I could have done better than that. It's like, yeah. Really? Like, it's exactly like you got to pretend like actually so here's a funny story with free kick stuff so i have watched a lot of like fifa youtubes um and a lot of videos um so ben foster did a video with like some of the sidemen and chris md before and he said he's like they might be better at free kicks than most premier league players because so many of their youtube videos are focused on just taking free kicks so he said like so chris md who if you're not familiar with him is a, a fifa youtuber and he's like a five foot seven kid from from england and he just takes literally so many of his videos are just him taking eight hours of free kicks so ben foster was on the video and like they were like lighting up ben foster like they were scoring goals against ben foster i think it was a penalty challenge and it was like uh chris md and uh mini mentor from the sideman and they took 10 penalties on ben foster and he saved none of them and they were like literally just all upper 90s were like perfect place pens because that's all they do. So anyways, that's like he said, he's like, you guys might be better at free kicks than like people in the Premier League because you only do that. Right. Which makes sense. It's like, it's uh, similar to the, you ever see that guy that like shoots free throws and makes like 999 yeah. out of a thousand? Like that's all he does. So he just is perfect at that one aspect of the game. Speaking of free kicks, <clears throat> I uh, would suggest anyone who wants to feel better about their own free kick abilities to check out uh, Harry Trades' YouTube channel. He had a, a free kick challenge that um, that is worth watching. So go over to Harry Trades on YouTube after the stream and, and check that out. Um, so Joe Hart is was a goalkeeper that our friend Josh had to pay the tax on. Do you think that goalkeeper outside of U23 is there like a Jota equivalent for goalkeepers? Like, like somebody you have to have? No, I don't think so. I think goaltender is just what it is. Like I do think obviously the more good matchups you have, the more expected clean sheets you can have. But like Unterstall last year was fantastic in net and his team was, they they played well and they did well. But like if you look at some of the goaltenders, like Davey Rofe wasn't even a starting goaltender. He was on the bench behind a 33-year-old and was the best goaltender on the platform the last like two, three months of the season. Um, so it's just, I, I goaltender just doesn't matter. Like Mandanda, look at what Mandanda's done. Yeah. Like Mandanda's well, been 
Ich- Ichimura. Like, Ichimura has been fantastic. Like, all the good goaltenders that are popping up here at the top of the list, like, if you sort this list, it's literally Rui Silva, who splits time with um, yeah. Claudio Bravo. Davey Rope wasn't even the starter. You have Mignon, who obviously, like, he's a high-end goaltender. You have Mignon, who, like, a team brought in to replace the most expensive goaltender in the world, who was way worse than him for a fraction of the price. Ichimori is a, a backup goaltender. It just, it realistically doesn't matter, the goaltenders. Um, hey, you've got Navas who starts, who starts over the guy who Mignon replaced. Correct. It's just, at, a goaltender just doesn't matter. It's You get guys playing, like, Osako got benched last year for a 39-year-old, and he's been the best U23 goaltender in the platform. And his price was like 0.5, now he's 1.25. So that is kind of the interesting thing about the U23 goalies, though, because we have spoken like numerous times on on the show that like why we think Vandevoort is the best buy. But like from an SO5 view, he's terrible. <laughs> like I actually hate having him. I don't think Vandevoort's that bad from an SO5 view. I think he was that bad last year because the coach was a moron and rotated the center backs every single game. So they gave up some just stupid stuff because no yeah. one had a rhythm. Um, but Vandevoort's AA is actually not bad. If you look at his AA, it's like, you look at some games and you watch some games, his AA wasn't terrible. Because, like, they do play out of the back. It was just a matter of um, the team as a whole struggled last year. Yeah. But really, especially like U23, we talked about, like, you just want a guy that you are confirmed will start and do not have to worry about it whatsoever. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh to go back to the Jota conversation, because a question in chat here is Jota waste in challenger. Probably no. So here's the, I talked to our buddy fear my turtle about it. He's good enough to play in challenger. Like you can play him in challenger, but the problem is, is like you can hypothetically play junior Ito and get pretty much the same result for 0.7 ETH. Um, so realistically speaking, I wouldn't recommend playing Jota there, but something that I've sort of looked at is like, if you want to just start stockpiling like U23 guys, and then you play them in, um, other regions and make sense. So like you have like all these other guys, except for Tadich are significantly cheaper. Like you look at Dino Hotich and Jakob Yankshire, they're 25% of the price of Jota. And something I talked about with the person we're doing the gallery review on is you maybe obviously think Jota is better than them and, or, and not disagreeing, but if you buy four guys, like you buy Hotich, Jansher, two others exactly like that for the price of Jota, one of them works out and you're great. That's all you need. And if two of them, that's fantastic. Yeah. Three of them, you can sell one for an ETH and get a, get a return in. So um, whereas obviously if you have Jota, you're literally putting all of your, uh, eggs in that basket. Um, yeah, I think the important thing to remember with most, like always with U 23 guys, like there are obviously some that you can play. I mean, you can play all of them outside of U 23, but the reason they come with a premium is because they're better than everyone else, like against who they're competing. And so like. Jota just has to be better than all the other U23 forwards. Correct. When you bring him, when you put him into challenger or you put him into all-star, all-star seems particularly egregious actually, but now he has to beat everyone. And so like the player, the pool of people that could be better is significantly bigger, at least from an SO5 scoring perspective. And most of them are cheaper. 
like we said, we have them right here with hotel. Yeah, but so here's the thing that I've talked to you about before. A lot of the time, it's just about making your best lineup. And mm-hmm. if you have Carlos Gill and your best lineup for that week is to play Jota in uh, All-Star Rare Pro, that might make sense. Um, I'm not saying you want to do that all the time, but like if you flex it occasionally, I think that's fine. Like this year, like I flexed, um, I flexed Brozovich and my inter stack to global once or twice. Um, I flexed Lewandowski there once or twice. I flexed some cards there that um, maybe wouldn't have made the most sense otherwise because my lineup elsewhere maybe wasn't as good. And then also maybe my gas lineup was really good if I did it. Um, so I did that. So National Interest TV asked about Paulinho. Um, I don't think much of him because he doesn't start every game. Uh, so realistically speaking, if someone doesn't start every game, I just don't care that much about him because they're not really playable. When he did play, he was productive. His AA wasn't really there. Uh, but he's not a team that you expect to score a lot of goals. So if he ends up starting every game and there's no questions surrounding that, he definitely can be a solid option. But I would just, like I said, like, my favorite quote is just, I would find somebody better for the same price, or I would find somebody that plays realistically and try to get them instead. I think the point I wanted to go back to on the Jota thing, like, and it's not just about Jota, it's pretty much like anyone on this list. Um, anyone on, like, if you are not planning on on playing U23s, like, I don't think Jota makes any sense. I agree. And, and so, like, that's what I, that's sort of what I meant. Like, he's a wasting challenger. Like, if you're not, you don't have a U23 goalkeeper and you don't have a, and like, that's probably the decision right there. Like you can't play U23 without a goalkeeper. And so if you don't have one and you don't plan on getting one, don't buy one of the guys on this list because right. you can find players in all, for all-star and challenger at a much lower price. And that, I mean, you may not be able to resell them for as much if you have yeah. to resell them, but like, it doesn't make sense to pay up for these guys if you're not going to enter to pay the other spots that allow you to enter those competitions. So I will say though, like hypothetically speaking, if you think that Jota is a 73 average player, he's probably worth it regardless because Tadish is worth like uh, about 2.8 and Jota is like 2.1. And and having those cheat code cards where they are significantly better than everyone else are worth a lot. Like obviously Mbappe to those other guys is a bit more difficult, but like, the difference between Tadic to, let's say, Undav and Malcolm and Jankshire is 10, 10 points a week is a lot. So if you're getting 10 points a week every week from a player, it's a lot. Not to mention Tadic plays every single game. You don't realistically have to yeah. worry about him at all. Um, it's it, that's something like that's like worth the tax to some extent. So like if you think Jota is a 72, 73 average player, that puts him in the same range as what Tadic is, and totally you could play him to challenger he will probably go up in price point um, as well. So like hypothetically, let's pretend Jota has the same exact score lines as what Tadic has. How much do you think Jota costs, Larry? Because you said you don't think he gets up to 3 ETH, but Tadic is at 3 ETH. Yeah, I guess he is. At least four, right? Three and a half, four? That's that's what I would yeah. think. Yeah, I would think that. But so yeah, so realistically... It's a decent way to go, though. You could have Jota and you could risk that situation but like realistically having those total cheat code cards is is a big plus that's why we've talked about um Tadic we've talked about Mbappe we've talked about Carlos Gill we've talked about um Cicinha because what he does in the summer compared to everyone else right uh, right so Cole like asked if Jota's a more of a rotation risk yes that's the answer that's yes but 
he doesn't seem to be a rotation risk really at Celtic, what we saw last year. Um, but it's just like Tadic literally doesn't not start. Like he just right. starts every game. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned Carlos Heel because we're contractually obligated to at this point. We are. It's in our contracts. Um, so the reason, and we've gone through this, so I'm not going to go into detail, but the reason why we like him so much is because he scores like Kevin De Bruyne and Kimmich and nobody else, and he does it when Kimmich and De Bruyne don't play. Correct. So he's like by far the best player when he plays. And he does it at a 25, 30% of the price point of those two. Right, exactly. And it used to be higher until we... And it's all offensive. It's all offensive. Right. He doesn't do anything defensively, right. whereas like those guys bring in defensive stats. So like all of his stats come from the offensive range, which obviously make it more likely that you get a decisive out of it as well. Yes. The guy hasn't won a tackle in probably four years. And so... Mm, yeah, he, I, well, he got double-double at some point. I remember I was like, damn, I was not expecting that. Um, I mean, surely it was like duels one and I'm going to go look for it. I'm going to look for it as you move on. I literally don't even believe you. Um, so it's all about like who they're playing against. Meaning like when you put them in a lineup, when you play Carlos Hill in a lineup in June, you don't have to worry about Kevin De Bruyne. I say that during an international week where you would, and Gil is actually off, but anyway, True. uh, so we considered Carlos Hill a player that you pay the tax on. It's easier for me to tell people to do that because I didn't have to pay for mine. Do you consider any other players like that necessary? Someone that like is a total cheap. Like, is there a, is there a Europe? Cause we, you, you mentioned Cecenia before I'll selfishly put Hulk in that category. Who's also much cheaper or was cheaper than Cecenia, but like, are there any European midfielders that you're like, you really should just go get this guy. No, not that we've seen. I actually, we've talked about, like, I think Danny Parejo is someone that makes a lot of sense. Um, I guess the one person who did it this year was Erickson, but I don't know if that's realistically in it the... It wasn't a full season either. Yeah, that wasn't a full season. I'm not sure. Yeah, so Kaku was the season. But Kaku really, he was great, and he was definitely that from a U23 perspective. But he also wasn't like it's a fantastic card but like in terms of the overall workload like as you see like the last this season yes i guess it was cocky like i guess it's reasonable that um you talk about cocky but like we know who the cheat code options are it's like kaku it's like de bruyne kimmick cruz parejo maybe erickson um actually i think you know what you know someone that's probably similar but not as good is is hakan Hakan yeah. was really good at Inter this year. He took all the sets, and most of his stuff was offensive. Uh, he did have more defensive work rate. Um, could be Enzo Fernandez if he goes to Benfica. I mean, it used to be Morioka, but I don't think people were, yeah. like, going to get Morioka. Here you go. Actually, Larry, do you want to know the last time Carlos Gill won a tackle? <laughs> sure. Pretty funny. I, I went, wasn't expecting this, but when was the last time Carlos Gill won a tackle, Larry? I think it's la- at least last season. It was this season. He has one tackle one on the year, um, and it was against Pumas in March. Yeah. I, I also don't believe it. Yep, he won one tackle. I mean, it could just be as easy as someone just dribbled into him, right? Like, it happens. He but has he, I'm trying to I'm find not sure he's getting right. close enough to other people when they have the ball. He got a double-double at one point, um, but I think it might have been interceptions. 
That I could that I could believe. Yeah, like I think he got like a double double with interceptions, which is which is fine. Um, <clears throat> Luke Nicholas is asking if you think Bucks are leaving hurts Carlos Hill at all. I do. Yes, uh, a lot of what Gill. So, as a offensive option, when you get your stats effectively, a lot of them come from like assisted uh, attempted assists. Yep. So. For example, if he takes a corner, Gill takes a corner and connects with Buxa, he gets a long pass, he gets a box entry, he gets a final third pass, he gets an attempted assist. So that's like three, three and a half points. So being able to just lump in across off a set piece, like he probably gets 10 to 15 set piece a game, Carlos Gill does. And Buxa is the best player in the air on that team. Um, Gustavo Bo is not as good as, as he is in the air. So, like, literally a lot of production can come from that. So, losing it does hurt. Like, I don't think it's going to kill him. Like, it's not going to kill Carlos Gill. Like, he's still going to be a great player. But Carlos Gill and Adam Bucks's, um correlation is typically really, really good. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Uh, <clears throat> I want to go back a little bit because, like, I don't think that a cheat code is necessarily the same thing as what we're talking about. Um, so like, obviously we know that Tony Cruz was just like a beast all season, but like plenty of people were fine without him. I mean, plenty of people were fine without Jota and stuff like that. But like, I never looked at like Cruz as a card, like, Oh man, I, I really need to go get that card because we also listed a bunch that like you could also get. And so I'm just not sure like it I'm not sure he fit in like Kimmich like Kimmich was always just way out of my range anyway Kimmich feels more like the Mbappe range where I'm just like yeah I'll I'll literally just have to hit the nuts one week and he wasn't though at one point in the season he was the same price as Cruz he was less than Cruz when he had his COVID situation he was less than Kimmich yeah yeah he was less than Cruz he wasn't that much he was like two and a half three that's fair that's fair so looking at U23 right now, like <clears throat> Enzo's starting to feel that way. Oh, Enzo like Enzo's feeling that. exactly like Kokchu. Like you're just like, ah, not having him. You're just like, this sucks. He's better than Kokchu. He's better. He's really good. Like if, I mean, you see his, his L15 74 layer. Yeah. That's better than Gil. Like it's, his stat line is incredible. It's um, And like his, his, like were his bad games that are showing like those are sub ons. So like every time he plays, he just rips at least 55 points. That's, that's definitely a card worth getting. And and if we had no hesitations on him, I would say uh, here, here's a question. How much is his rare card? If there was no leaving rumors and to be fair, his leaving rumors are favorable. I was going to say like, I think he goes up. Like he, he gets more expensive if he goes to Benfica. Yeah, but like pretend there was no rumors and it was like there was a, a report that Enzo was at least staying at River Plate till next summer. How much is the Enzo card? Because like I'm thinking it's like four to five ETH. There's, there's no one that does it like he does it at, yeah. as a midfielder. And see, I, I've watched the games. It looks sustainable to me. Like yeah. what he's been doing looks sustainable to me. Um, I don't think Sam was saying again because he doesn't take as many sets or PKs. He doesn't take I didn't think he took sets at all. Yeah, he doesn't take sets at all. Yeah. He does take some PKs, but yeah, everybody, everybody takes it on right. that damn team. 
Yeah, they, they literally just rotate. I don't even know how they pick it. I think they just like randomly throw the ball to someone and they walk over and take the PK. Like that's just what they do. They had um, this. There was a, yeah, this one game where each of they drew three penalties and three different guys took them, and you're just like, come on. I, I think the thing is, so like, if he goes to Benfica and he just becomes, let's pretend he becomes Sangare, which like I've watched, like I think he is a fantastic fit for that role. The only difference is he's a lot more offensively refined than Sangare. Yeah. Like, I think he's better than Sangare. So, like, he, I think there's a realistic shot if he goes to Benfica. He's like a 65 to 70 type average player. And I can say, which, which is worse than, than he's doing now, by the way. Yeah. Which is worse than what he's the doing. The 65 now. is worse than his. Uh... But that, that's probably factored in that he will probably not take the penalties as frequently. Yeah. Um, and River Plate's probably better as a whole to the league, I think, than Benfica would be. Because Benfica is not even the top team in the league. Benfica has two teams that are better than them. Yeah, I mean... That... I'm not saying Benfica is bad, but I'm saying Benfica definitely has two teams better than Benfica. Sure, sure. Um, I think that the drop from Benfica to whoever's fourth, though, is pretty sizable. Um, yeah, but I think, like, River Plate is one, and there's... The drop from one to two is probably pretty decent in Argentina. Although River Plate should take a step back it's... when they're losing everyone. Yeah. Maybe. I think Braga is fourth, and there's definitely a gap between Benfica and Braga. Yeah, Braga is fourth, but like there is so yeah, like there's w- when you get down to like Tondela and like Aruca and stuff, the gap's absurdly wide for for Benfica. But I, I definitely think that there's a really good shot um, for Enzo to remain consistent with what he produces. That's fair. Hendo dropped uh, Luka Sucic in here. Sucic? Sucic? Yeah, so he'll replace Aronson and looked pretty good as the year went on, and he's pretty young. Um, what does he go for, Hanith? Yeah, bit. probably give or take. Um, I think his... Oh, he's well above. Well, that, that auction was the Champions Edition card, I think. The 1.267 <clears throat> was the Champions Edition card. So it's probably like around 1.11. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I, that's a great card. In theory, he should be really good. We know that they dominate the league, and he does a bit more defensively, I believe, than what Aronson did, um, which is helpful because that, that's – He does nothing, by the way. Aronson defends like Carlos Hill. Yeah, Aronson doesn't get much defensive work right. Uh, which which draws back what you could expect. So, like, I think Susich is, is a really good op- option. You're not getting any early finders discount. <clears throat> Francisco, we're not talking about all time. We're talking about what it is right now. And right now, Porto and Sporting definitely appear a bit better than Benfica uh, in the current form. But it doesn't matter. Like, that's not the, the point of the discussion. The, the point of the discussion is that Benfica has two teams that are on the same level as those teams like sporting Benfica and Porto, like when they play them, you're not like, wow, this is a slam dunk. He's going to go out there and just slap some points down right. um, and have a huge game. You're like, Oh, this team's actually pretty good. And then Benfica might be a worse team than them, but it really doesn't matter because the type of player that he is will produce any game anyways, because um, he'll be active both offensively and defensively. Right. It pretty much feels like there is never a plot, a spot where you're like, I don't know if I'm playing Enzo this week. Correct. Yeah. As so for instance, yeah, the gap between, the top three in the rest of the league is, is pretty significant. Right. Um, so it's it, it. that's why I said we've said that moving to Benfica would be a fantastic move for him um, because it's a great landing spot for Enzo to be in. Yeah. Uh, you recently, somewhat recently, picked up a Jurian Timber. 
yeah you okay. thought was someone you had to pay on pay the tax for um do the rumors to man united make you feel any differently yeah so i probably wouldn't when i bought it there wasn't really rumors it looked really more likely he would be staying um but i don't know i guess i'm not as i'm not as worried about that move as other people are because i've harry Maguire does not fit that system mm-hmm. that system really could use someone like yuri and timber um and therefore i think he would start anyways does he remain a 70 l40 player no but if he's a 60 l40 player in champ europe that's a fine trade-off that you're probably okay with um so does he become think- a champ europe defender you could use him in both, I think, especially if it goes to 60. Like, it, like if you look, like, let's pretend he dropped to a 60 L40. He's still a top 10 defender, right? Yeah. So it's still a reasonable option. Um, obviously, I want him to stay. It looks like he's going to stay. I think he's going to stay. Sounds, but it's not as definitive. It certainly sounds more more likely he stays than he goes. Yeah, like, it seems like he's going to stay. It seems like Sutalo is going to stay. Obviously, TAA um, probably stays. Like by problem, I mean like TA is staying. He's so it's just uh, those guys are staying. Schlotterbeck's leaving, but he should definitely start for Dortmund. Carter Vickers is likely staying, but he ages out. Uh, Uba Makano is probably the one with no questions, really. That's as good as Timber. Um, yep. I, I can't imagine he doesn't start, but his price point shows that. And he did have some times this year where he was not very good um, and got removed from the starting line. Guy that I think could take a jump actually is Fofana. Um, I, he's had transfer rumors up, but I think he might get one more year at Leicester and then then move. But he's really athletic, so he fits the matrix well because he gets a lot of duels and he uh, he's he's productive. So like, and, and then another guy. So also someone that was rumored to um, Man U is Anasio. Anasio has been rumored. I think he'd be a good fit there as well. But like again, him and Timber both going there don't make much sense. Yeah, that's fair. Um... Yeah, I, I feel like there's a decent drop off though. Like, there is. Like, I wouldn't really like the, the top end guys are who you really want. Like, you really want the Uba Makanos, the Timbers, uh, Schlotterbeck. I mean, TA. So, I really like TA because if you play him in a matchup, like, uh, here's the thing, right? If Trent Alexander Arnold is playing Liverpool, or I'm sorry, is playing Man City, you just don't play him. It's not that yeah. hard. But, like, if, if Trent Alexander Arnold is playing, like, leads basically and you're, yeah and you're sitting there and you're like well they're playing leads and Trent Alexander Arnold's gonna start well you plug him in because his upside games are gonna be huge because he has so much offensive work rate um the issue is you just don't play him against like Real Madrid you don't play him against Manchester City games where he might struggle to have that offensive work rate because they're playing an actual team that is on their level so much of what sober is and what people I don't think fully understand is you're playing matchups and you want um you want your team to have that your players on to have as many lopsided matchups as possible. Like you don't want your player playing Manchester city because if they are playing Manchester city, that is bad for your player. Mm-hmm. You want your guy to be playing as many turd box teams as possible. So the more teams that are on uh, your team's level is worse. That's why like we talk about the premier league and like guys going to the premier league, like you have six to eight teams in the Premier League that are at least really solid. And even the bad teams, like most of the mid-table to like middle third type teams, 
they're at least solid. They're not like pushovers that you're just going to absolutely smack. Um, whereas like, obviously like, you go to the Bundesliga and like you go down to the 10th place team, the 10th place team, Bayern's going to just go out there and be a three goal favorite against them. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> I had something else to say. Now I completely lost on that one. Oh, uh, Mbappe subbed off injured at halftime. Oh. That was, I think that's what Josh Forth was referring to earlier in the game. That you killed when Mbappe. He said that I killed Mbappe. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, a player we'll discuss pretty shortly in our gallery review. Just a little hint for those of you who haven't figured out who we're talking about yet. Um, the, yeah, I think if there's a U23 situation that, like, it seems worth it, this is the group right here. Like most of the defenders don't seem to be super concerning to me that don't age out. Like, I mean, Timber, I think stays, but if he moves his rumors, literally only man, you, I guess it was Byron too. Wasn't he rumored at Byron? But again, I've, we've, I've talked about the Byron move for if your rumor is Byron, I'm not in death con mode because you at least have the shot at being an elite level player. Sure. Um, Uba Meccano, I don't think there's much of a risk when Slaughterback actually upgrades teams and will start. Uh, Sutalo apparently is going to stay. Uh, TA is going to stay. Fofana will stay. Oh. And if he moves, it would be an upgraded move as well. Um, Anasio is going to stay if he moves. The only rumor I've heard with him is Manchester United as well. Yeah, the only thing I was going to say about Alexander Arnold is that because they're done minting his cards, like it may be just like how much of his price do you think is based on the actual scarcity that we're like we're not getting any more cards from him so for those wondering taa is the other card that i was talking about earlier that i regretted not buying i looked at buying him a long time ago like literally i'm talking like probably before last june it was probably like last may and it was like around point it was just such a cheap price his price point was like dirt cheap and i just didn't make the move and then as you see he's priced out um I didn't say that an Osseo was an upgrade, Sam. It's it's a downgrade. But man, use a chance. You actually will most likely play if he goes there. Um, which, to be fair, being able to actually start is one of the things that you look at most when uh, going on a move. Because if you don't play, you're you're going to be hurt. But yes, obviously, someone going from an elite level team to a not elite level team is a downgrade. Yeah. Agreed. Um. So yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like. Alexander Arnold cards trade that much because like the people who have them don't want to give them up and yeah. we're not getting any new ones. And so, right. um, so oh, Nando said he sold his Mbappe today. Hmm. Sold one of his Mbappe's today. Yeah. You well, definitely could get a, a price point on an injury. I, I don't think that, uh, it would have to be a pretty significant injury. I think for, um, a guy like him to go down. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Um, Let's see. Oh, there was an auction, Mbappe auction today. What'd it go for? 14.3. So it went, that's the highest one we've seen in a long time from ETH standpoint. That was, uh, you never walk alone. Pick that one up. Oh, oh it was the champion edition. That's oh, one. yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense for sure. Yeah, I didn't I didn't obviously see the injury, but um, it definitely would make sense if it's the, uh, we don't care about the Nations League sub and he like, was right. like slightly limping and they just yanked him off. Right, right. Uh, all right, let's go to this gallery review now that we've talked enough about Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, a lot of people watching this are familiar with this uh, gallery. Thank you to John Nellis for allowing us 
to talk about it. Um, Sean and I like to talk about the, our gallery reviews like before the show, so we know like where we're coming from. And admittedly, we agree on most things. We agreed on a lot of things when it came to this gallery. And so um, we actually kind of changed our mind a little bit as we were talking about it. And before we like kept going, it was just like, wait, let's just save it for the show. Um, so those of you who are unfamiliar with this gallery, John, based on some conversations with him and watching what he does with this gallery, loves U23s and likes champion Europe and pretty much ignores everything else, which we talk about, you can play silver however you want. That's how he wants to play it. Uh, he has, what is he up to? 92 limited cards now, but I don't think he really cares about limit. In fact, he gives away all his limited cards. All yeah, I believe the limited is a community gallery where he just lets uh, the community pick stuff. Right. So we're not going to talk about the limiteds because they, it doesn't apply to what he's trying to do. Sean, did your thoughts, like you, we were already familiar with John's gallery. We're friends with John. We was, we met him in person uh, down in Orlando. Um, everyone go check out his YouTube channel. I think it's literally just under John Nellis. Um, was there anything once you started diving into the gallery that was, that made you think differently about it than what you kind of knew already about it? So the biggest thing I noticed was it was actually a much better gallery than I thought it was. I thought it was just a ginormous, like splattering of poop of sexy poop, sorry, sexy poop, which we'll talk about, um, that just did not make sense. And then it, but when looking at it, like I was blown away by a how much quality he has in the gallery he has just a lot of quality but john has two issues that we're going to talk about i think and it's not even necessarily the gallery per se luckily his gallery in my opinion which we'll talk about is an easy fix what we would do to it is super duper simple um and how we would fix it but he has two issues issue number one is he is all about the sex he wants his cards to be sexy. He wants his cards to be flashy. He wants his guys to be expensive and be like that big dog named player. Um, and we'll talk about that part of things as well. And then the other issue that I think John has is uh, a lot of people are here to have fun. Um, and a lot of people are here to like play what they want to play, like have the players that want to play and stuff like that. But also a lot of people want to win. So Nellis is talking to me like when we were talking about this review, part of the reason we're doing it is because he had um, a big influx from selling a Rodrigo Super Rare where he paid like 2.5 and somehow flipped it for six ETH in like three weeks, which we have no idea how that happened. Um, and do not try that at home. Uh, but it was a massive influx of cards in or uh, of ETH in. So he has like a nine ETH balance that he told me. And then he also told me that he wants to start winning more. He starts wants to start generating more out of SO5, which that's obviously what you and I focus on. And like, that's what we're trying to do. But his other issue is, is that I don't think he knows what to prioritize. Yep. And therefore he completely backwards, uh, completely prioritizes things backwards from what he should. And it really causes, um, his good cards to not be as valuable as what they are. But so the comment I told him and Laird, and I'll see if you agree, 
but I told him the biggest issue with his gallery isn't the sex appeal and the sexy cards he has because the sexy cards he has is great and we'll talk about that but what i want to do and what i think the best way to do things so he currently puts this sexy player that's good with this sexy player that's a turd box that you can't play and smacks them together and have some sexy time and then what that results in is nobody having a good time because it just doesn't produce as well so what i've told him is like you sort of got to have that sexy player that is elite. And instead of pairing him with a sexy player that's not elite, you pair him with an elite player that's not sexy, right? So it's like one of those things, you need this guy to like punch above his weight class for some sexy time with his other guy, and then they'll make some magic happen. And then they'll win you some sexy guys as well. And then you just have a lot of sexiness in your gallery. Um, but that would you agree that that's like his biggest thing is that he just slaps together some good sexy players and some bad sexy players and makes some not sexy things happen and if he just sort of embraces maybe more so uh players that aren't as appealing to with those guys that are really good that would help him as a lot i i agree i i don't think i would use the same words you did as many times as you did but but yes that is the point um so i like watch John's videos. I listen to his podcast. So like I know, I know how he wants to play. Like he's very open about like the cards that he buys and like what he's going to do with it. And I think, and he kind of also admits that like there's a degen part of him that like needs to go buy cards like that Rodrigo super rare. And he, he recognizes that there is a, uh, that there's a gap between like the, the the cards that he has and his SO5 success. It's it's like if I'm spend if I'm buying these cards, I should have more success. And I think that when when I hear that, I'm like, well, he's just buying like the wrong cards for what he's trying to do. And when I dove into the gallery more, I was like, he actually is not as far away as I as like he makes it sound. Like I don't. I, did, I just like hadn't spent any time looking in his gallery because it just seems weird, but he asked us to do it. And so I was like, all right, well, let's look. And it's like, uh, and we were talking about this kind of before the show that like the way that he is building his lineups may actually have a, like, if he changes the way that he builds his lineups, that may actually have a bigger effect than the cards that he buys. That's not to say that like he has cards that he should keep for that reason. Like there, we've, there are a lot of cards in this gallery that uh, you and I like agree that just don't make sense. Like they're, they may be good cards, but they just don't make sense if the goal is SO5. And like, I appreciate that there's also a part that wants him, that, that he wants to like trade a little bit. Like they're clearly cards that he bought as like speculative, like, oh, I'll be able to sell this later. But like we've talked before that the more you do that, the less SO5 success you're likely to have. And it's really like, you have to have a massive gallery or massive budget, excuse me, to be able to do both of those things well. And I mean, 91 ETH is a lot of money. And so it's not like he's here like with a small gallery, but clearly the, I think the, the, desire to like trade or to be like, Oh, I'm going to get like the next big thing before he's the next big thing. 
directly takes away from making his lineups better. Correct. And I think that's a problem that like a lot of people have at every budget level. They're like, oh, I'm going to go buy this guy because he's going to be really good in two years. And now you're like, man, I wish I had ETH to buy someone else who could help me with SO5. And it's like, well, you have, you have it. You're just tying it up in this player that Correct. is not going to be good in two years. And so, like, I don't think John is nearly as far away as he thinks he might be. Um, Correct. I but, think a little tweaking is can he has he has the pieces yeah. to make this gallery in a very very high churning gallery. Yes, if he just does a couple things differently than what he's been doing. Absolutely, and I think the first thing that he needs to do is figure out what he actually wants to prioritize, because uh, not to say that I think we should ignore the champion Europe stuff, but. The U23 is really the focus here. Like John likes U23 players and that's what he wants to win. And it seems like the gallery is set up to, the the gallery is set up to win, to, to compete for top prizes in U23 rare and then to a lesser extent rare pro and then to a lesser extent super rare. But John wants to win the opposite. He wants to win... U23 super rare, and then maybe U23 rare, and then rare pro. Like, we think, like, he's got perfect foundational pieces for U23 rare pro. And looking back in his lineups, it seems like rare pro is kind of the throwaway. But, like, I think with, like, a few tweaks, John could just, like, print from U23 rare pro. Not even just U23 rare pro. I think he can print from champion Europe rare pro, and I think he could print from uh all star rare pro as as well so i'm gonna go through the first part that i talked to him about that made sense to me so if we look at rafael layout so john from my understanding thinks that rafael layout is the best player of all time he's Um, he's slightly better than mbappe slightly better than mbappe definitely better than messi that's how that's where rafael layout lives (laughs) now am i gonna agree with that or is is layer no probably not but so we're gonna look at, at layout now we're going to pull up Zion Fleming. So these two players are both forwards, both the same age, both the same position. If you look at their L5, L15, L40, they're pretty identical players. Would you agree, Laird, looking at the two of these guys, they're pretty identical? Uh, they are very close, but I think Fleming might actually be better. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that. I, but so Leal has slightly better spikes, whereas Fleming has a bit more um, of a safe floor. That's but right. Fleming also has the upside. I think Fleming has a good chance to get a good positive transfer, whereas like Leal, I'm not sure he has a great transfer. Maybe I mean I I'm not as high on him obviously as John, but that that's not really the point on on this situation. So as you see in what we just talked about, like they are pretty much the same player effectively. Um, They're the same SO5 producer. What you get from an SO5 perspective. If you look at the last sales of the super rares, like we're going to go look at what the last sale was of a Raphael Leal super rare, and then we're going to compare it to what that was of a um, Fleming super rare. So as you see, the most recent Leal super rare sale was 8.95 ETH. So that's about 9 ETH. Now we're going to go to Fleming, who is the same player, and see what his super rare sale was. And his super rare sale was 2.2. 2. 
you are getting the same player effectively for 2.2 as you are for 8.9. So what I told Nellis, and this is this is something that I goes back to our tax discussion that we had earlier. You want to have some of those elite level tax players as well, but you also want to be cognizant of what the other guy is that you could have in the same situation. So what Nellis told me, and he told me this comment, and he said, well, the reason I don't like Fleming is because I'm worried that he gets a transfer that's that's not good. Well, I said, I'm like, well, the same thing could be said about Liao. And he's like, well, I think Liao is a higher-end prospect. I'm like, not arguing that, totally agree. Liao is a better high-end prospect. But I told him, I'm like, but you can buy four Zion Flemings for the price of one Raphael Liao. If your one Raphael Liao fails, you're, that, you're, that card's dead. That nine ETH worth of investment is done. Whereas if you have four Zion Fleming type players and you spread them out, you have a lot more coverage for different leagues and you also have um, a lot more opportunities for someone to be really good. And you don't need all four of them to pan out. You need one or two of them to pan out and then you're effectively ahead. But that's not the whole point with the layout situation. My point with it is, is like, Yes, you want to have some players like Leal super rare instead of a Zion Fleming super rare, but you also want to package them together. So if we look at this gallery from a goaltending perspective, he has Luigi Donnarumma, Van Devoort. Those are two of the best U23 goalies you can have going into next year. He has, he has then, Safinoff too. Yeah, he has Safinoff too. Then he has Kachu. He has um, two Trent Alexander-Arnolds. He has some other guys that make sense. Like, And then if you look at Champion too, like he has Courtois. He mm-hmm. has Depay, he has Florin Verts, um, and then he also has guys that work from a challenger perspective. He's got Hans Vonneken, he has guys like that. So the way that I would revamp John's gallery is I would, well, first of all, I would sell Leal. I think 8.9 for Leal is kind of ridiculous. Um, that's me personally. I don't think that's what John wants to do, so I'm not going to give that as like an option here. So the first card I would move is Trent Alexander-Arnold. Having two Trent Alexander-Arnolds to me doesn't make the most sense, especially when you can get four to five ETH from it. Um, the first, Actually, I, I think the first card I would sell is the same one you would sell. It's Dejan Kulishevsky. Um, <laughs> I just don't think Kulishevsky is that great of a card. He's a midfield card with no all-around game. He ran like the sun to end the season. I just think that his value is probably a bit higher than what it should be right now. Um, what's funny is he ran like the sun and it was like, it was okay. It was okay. It was like mediocre to, to good, I guess. I mean, the good like, games, I guess, I mean, I guess he has a few eighties. So, so yeah. So like, what I would do with John's gallery is I would sell Kulishevsky super rare. I would sell Leal super rare. But again, like I said, I don't think John's going to do that, but I would do that. I would sell a Tibor Courtois. I don't think that that card makes tons of sense for him at all. And I would sell one of his Trent Alexander Arnold. So what that does is get him around 20 ETH if we don't get rid of Leal, let's say. And if we get rid of Leal, that gets him around 30 ETH. And what I would do is, so if we look at this, we're talking about all these elite rares he has, right? He has Trent Alexander-Arnold, Vonnegut, Wurtz. Uh, if we keep scrolling down, we have other great rare cards as well. Uh, yeah, Gakpo may, may or may not be good again this year. Depay, Kachu, uh, Bruno Guamares. There's good cards that are rares. Like Joao Felix could be really good next year. Uh, Leroy Sané could be good. Yeah, we're, we're praying. We both would really like that as well. Um, so, Ryan, you know, I'm not saying sell both Trents. I'm saying he should sell one of them. 
because having two of them kind of is just a nonsensical overlap. But if he does keep two of them, he could play one of them in um, in Champion Europe Rare, Rare Pro, and he could play one of them in uh, U23 Rare Pro. In U23 Rare Pro. But the issue that John has is, as you see, like we go back up at the top here. Let's look at his super rares. He has a Leao who is not very good. Um, but no, Leao's good. Leao's fine. Leao's fine. Let's get Leao's fine. He has a Kuliszewski that's not very good. He had, hey, if you're listening, John, you never walk alone is in the chat. He, I'm sure, would be happy to buy a Trent um, as well. And actually, Trent's probably not one of the first ones I would sell. It would probably be Courtois, then the Kuliszewski Super, then uh, the, we'll get to the other one, and then Leal. Like, I would sell those cards first. Um, but like, you have Jonathan David. That card's not really usable in anything uh, as well. Uh, Tonali, I know John just bought it. I don't really see that as a playable card. I think that that's a card I would possibly looking at going. But like, so the, he's got a bunch of super rares who are very expensive, who maybe are not the best. So what I would do if I'm John is I would look at my Champ Europe, and you will disagree with this, but I actually think he's set up decently well for Champ Europe. Oh, yeah. No, I think he is. I think that's why I didn't want to talk about it. You know like, what's funny? So you know what's actually a hilarious card that I actually told him months ago? I told him this like a long time ago that he should have bought this card. Why does he not have a Danny Parejo super rare? Yeah. Because it would have been the perfect, perfect card. Gallery. Like perfect card. So I, like if I was him, I would go through my... What uh, does that go for? Uh, it, well, I mean, at one point it was like two ETH. Like when I told him, I told him to do it, it was like two ETH. It's probably like three, three and a half at this point. Um, but it's such a good fit for him. Yeah. So like, I think I told him like, I told him months ago, like even before when Tegu, when Tegu or Diego's bought it, like I told him a long time ago that he should buy this card. Cause I think it makes sense. Um, but it, it, it it's like a travesty that he doesn't have. That. I don't know why he doesn't have it. Cause it's the card that he loves like more than anything. And it made more sense for his gallery than almost anything. I'm pretty sure I told him to buy it around five or six months ago. So probably somewhere between the, where it was worth like two and three ETH. Like I probably told him somewhere in that range to buy it. Uh, but I think what John needs to do is he needs to go through his um, U23 champ Europe all-star during European season and challenger Europe teams. See what he has for rares in those regions, which like, again, like for U23, he's got Bellingham, Donnarumma, Leal, TAA, Works. just looking at this right here, right? Like just looking at this stuff. Um, a good player, like I don't understand, like Kamal Sulemana. Like I'm not saying Sulemana is not like a good long-term prospect, but from an SO5 perspective, that's just a card you can't really use at all. Mm -hmm. um, and like you need to free up ETH, that can be a spot where you go do it. But so what I would do is I would go through each of those regions, figure out where you have the super rares, or I'm sorry, where you have the rares that make the most sense. And then I would start filling stuff in with maybe slightly unsexier type players that really perform above their grade because they're not as sexy um, as well. So like, I think that's what, john should be doing like he and he's got a lot of ways to free up eth like nuno mendez you and i both talked about him i don't really see the value in having that card maybe a little bit more because he has a donnarumma but like he's already got hakimi which is like a better version in every way than mendez well he's, um, been, he's been talking about playing all three like that's what he wants to play yeah but like you're not going to realistically play all three that frequently it just won't make that much sense but my, um, my favorite is that john laments the fullback 
scoring that like it hurts fullbacks and then is like openly wanting to play Donnarumma, Hakimi, and Mendez. Well, and and Trent, he only has fullbacks. Like all his guys are fullbacks. Well, he's fine. Like, Trent doesn't count. The, yeah, like Trent's the out. Like I'm not, I'm not willing to have a discussion about the fullback scoring. Like I, I have my opinion. I disagree with everybody about it. But like, and Trent's the outlier here. But yeah. like, surely there are better options than Nuno Mendez and Hakimi if you want to have some sort of stack. Like there has to be. Yeah. Exactly. There definitely is. And there definitely will be. But so like my main thing for John is I think his rares are in really, really good spots. Um, and he's in a really, really strong option. Yeah. So like, so Sam and, and Mark are talking about um, buying Parejo Super. I'm not saying he necessarily should go buy Parejo Super today. Um, I don't think it's the most unreasonable card, but it was it made sense for his, gallery, for his lineups. Yeah. But in terms of like what John needs to do is, he basically needs to find just good and good super rares that are in U23 that can sort of like travel between regions, like U23 mids, U23 defenders that can sort of travel from the different regions. And if he really gets good U23 super rare type players, um, he can just smash a lot of these regions. Because like if you put a lineup of like Donnarumma, Trent Alexander-Arnold, insert good midfield super rare here or like decent midfield super rare here layout super rare and then someone else you're going to end up having a really fantastic lineup like if you run if you run donnarumma taa jude layout super rare and then another good super rare that's maybe two eat that's that's a good producer you'll just start printing and then all same thing like if you have a lineup in challenger that's someone vonikin someone and then you have two decent super rares as well um i think that makes sense so, like i think john's main focus he needs to revamp what he prioritizes because he prioritizes d2 but he doesn't have super rares that are really good enough to win d2 or d3 and so what that does is that makes his d3s really weak which in theory is his strongest position because his rares are really good to go there and then obviously uh, the rare division, he has decent cards as well. But if he just sort of like went right down that middle gap, bought like eight to 10 good super rares for about 20 ETH and just have them to sort of encompass D3, it will one, help his D3, two, help his D2 because he'll be adding in quality there. So it pushes other players into his D2s and it will also help his D4 because... He's going to start winning more rewards, which will then get him better rares, which will then funnel into D4. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think the whole thing came down to like priority that, and you just said like he puts in some of his better super rares in D2, which makes the super rares that go into D3 weaker. And the D3 lineup is weaker because he's not playing. Like you don't buy Donnarumma or Bellingham or TAA or Verts when he's fit, or Gakpo, or Kokchu to play in the rare division. Correct. Like you play them in rare pro because the prizes are the better are best there. So he clearly went out and was like, I'm going to get the best rares. And obviously, just because you can get the best rares doesn't mean you can get the best super rares. But it's almost like, it's like, all right, well, let me just get a bunch of super rares and I'll just like plug them in with my really good rares. But it's 
it's almost like there's too much, like it's too much depth in terms of the number of cards. But like I would, like we said, like even if you wanted to keep layout, but like if you could sell Kulusevsky, David, Tonali was actually decent at the price, but like Omari's pretty good. Like that, you could probably put him in, in D3. Yeah. But like Kakare, Versharen, Yari Versharen, Suleimana, like you're just not playing those guys in your best lineup. And two Pershers is funny, but I think he, those were always like flipping opportunities, but I don't know. It's like, and the problem is too, his year, right? Like you just said, you wouldn't play any of these guys in your D3. We doesn't have anyone else. Right. Those are, those are all the supers. Yes. Now that said, if you're playing like a Kakare or like a Yari Versharin in division two, like, okay, that's fine. Like you're, you have somewhere to play them. It's okay. It's not as big of a deal. Whereas if you're playing them in D3, you just can't justify because like, you just have the most elite cards. Like he really does have some of the most elite cards that he can run in all the regions, but then he just doesn't have anything to surround them. So right. he ends up sort of like killing all of them because of what he prioritized. And we looked through his D2 winnings, what he's won in D2. He's won virtually nothing in D2 over the course of this season. And his best results, despite having really, really mediocre lineups, is... Um, is D3. Like his best cards were like right. his card Vickers was in D3. Yeah. Um, Carter, so actually, so Hendo brings up. A so, yeah. So Hendo was actually brought up exactly Great what I was anyway, Hendo, yeah. Thank you. We appreciate the assist. So John has talked about wanting it in Bate. I'm not saying he should definitely go get it. I am. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. If, so John wants to be sexy. Going and buying an Mbappe is totally fine. But, but the caveat with that is you have to sell layout. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's how you fund it. So in that situation, you go buy Killing Mbappe. Then you buy eight to 10 super rares that you can play, especially U23 mids. And you go and you're looking at a Donnarumma, Trent, Mbappe lineup with two good to elite level super rares. And that just will print in D3 all year. Um, yeah, I think the, the biggest thing that we're trying to say is like everything for this gallery should be like every lineup should be made to make or every decision should be made to make the rare pro lineups better. Like rare pro with this gallery is where the focus should be. And it, it's fun winning super rares when you can, but like, you're not winning the best super rares in the super rare division. Like you have to play the unique division to win those. And yeah. so if you're in this position, like rare pro is where the focus should be. And it feels like rare pro is kind of like a, let me get my super rares in, in super rare. Let me get my elite rares in rare and rare pro seems kind of like, Oh, I'll play layout and some, my extras like the best cards should be in rare pro. Yeah. So, so Mark actually, is talking about like so there's a lot of people that have galleries similar to john that make the most sense to start buying the superers so you want to get ahead of the game on that and so here's my thing right here's we haven't really talked about this i guess and i think it's very valid so today right now laird you would agree that the best region on the platform is d3 yeah the rare pro division rare pro, is the yeah. best region on the platform now so my question is, is i, I like, actually think it's the unique division but <laughs> well, 
<laughs> but yes, it's rare. Pro. Sure. But so anyways, so let's say it is right now the rare pro division. In the past, it has been other divisions. It has been rare division at some point. And then at some point, it's also been the super rare division. Like last year, at the beginning of American Asia, the super rare division was really, really strong. Yep. Um, it was really good. So realistically speaking, they could change things to make other divisions stronger. Here's my question to you, Laird. What is the best region to buy cards for that prepares you for the event that D2 is the strongest or D4 is the strongest or D3 is the strongest? What's the best division to do that? I'm not sure I understand the question. So if you're buying cards in Rare Pro, right, you are buying good super rares and rares. Yes. So you are preparing yourself effectively for the event that super rare division is the best division or the rare division is the best Oh, okay. Division. Yes. Yeah. So like by doing D3 in general in the rare pro division and strengthening it as much as possible, you are also preparing yourself for, it's been a theory for like what, six months that D2 is going to get increased and improved and everyone's going to like D2. It's been and I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but like that's been the theory. Well, if D2 is eventually the alpha division where you want to be, the best way to be there is to buy good super rares. Well, if you're buying good super rares to improve your D3, you're already preparing for that. Yes. Similarly, if you're buying elite level rares, you're improving that. So like, I do think Mbappe makes sense for John if done right. It just has to be thought out and planned well. Um, and he really has to put everything together around Mbappe. And, and, and John's gallery is like we said, like his gallery is actually in a position where it is not far from being a very good ROI churning SO5 gallery. It just isn't yet because of some of the things that are being done, but it's a very easy fix to get rid of that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the, I think it's like easy for us to be like, Oh yeah, just go buy Mbappe. But like, this is strangely like, like me buying Mbappe makes no sense. Like if I had the, like my gallery just makes no sense. This is actually a gallery that like buying an Mbappe rare makes sense. And I think that there are like enough, I'll even call them like extra pieces that can be sold to help finance that. And like we said, like what was the one today? 13 ETH or whatever the, yeah. the last well, one. You went said for. you knew someone that would do 12 as well. Right. So that um, like, that's a lot of money, obviously, but like, I think there's 12 ETH worth of cards here that could be sold. I mean, if layout is going for nine, well, I mean, we could go, let's go through the list really quickly and what we would sell um, all starting at the top and like what you could generate, like realistically speaking, um, we would both sell Leal. I, I would sell Courtois because it is, well, you could keep Courtois. I would just, you could, I mean. I think, I think there, there's like a small handful of guys that you replace Courtois, like. I'm, I'm not saying like he had like, I, all right, this guy sucked and was terrible this year, but he has O block, right? Like you're playing champ Europe. You can play O block. Just hope he has a, uh, I would, and, like, I would definitely play. sell him. Well, here, all right. Here's another thing though. Like if I have Courtois, right? Like I'm dumping Courtois out of this lineup and I'm getting Allison in because I have Trent Alexander-Arnold. Sure. Like uh, Nellis is actually half here. He's at dinner with his parents. That's, we were going to have Nellis. not all watching together. Yeah, we were going to have Nellis join us today, but uh, it just didn't work out from a time-wise because he had plans already on on the Friday. But, like, yeah, so, like, I mean... Is there that much of a difference between Courtois and Ter Stegen? No. I mean, or Neuer. You can go get Neuer. Like, I mean, what's Neuer Neuer right now? I mean, the difference is that uh, Courtois is 
obviously younger, but uh, Neuer's, Neuer's like 2.2 ETH. So you could go sell Courtois, buy Neuer, pocket one, one and a half ETH. Courtois is 3.5, so like 1.3 ETH. Um, if you do something like that. I mean, Tristegan's 1.6. Yeah, like I'm just, I don't know. I guess I'm just not as, like you talked about, like I'm not as worried about what champion Europe player he has there. The only reason I'm saying like it makes sense to, it makes sense for him to have a champion Europe lineup because he has so many champion Europe U23 players that he can't use them all in U23 Rare Pro that you might as well have a good champion Europe Rare Pro lineup as well. Um, I would definitely sell Kulishevsky. I think he's at a peak. I would probably sell one of the TAAs to, to sort of get away from that. Um, I would have sold Gakpo a while ago, but that's just because I don't think he's got yep. great landing spot. Um, I would sell Sulemana, who's up next on the next line. I would sell him. Um, I would sell Kakare. I John and I were talking about Kakare. Like, if you click on Kakare, like, tell me this is a card that you're like, I just, I just don't see it. Like I don't I don't see why this is a card that you realistically want. I agree with you. Like I just it's just sort of a card that like I will say I don't think he's bad to have as a uh as a like depth player. Um, but realistically it's fine. It's, so Mark, he doesn't have to sell TAA, but like he wants to generate ETH and then doesn't want to sell like a layout type. So you realistically you have to find ways to generate significant amounts of ETH. And TAA does make sense because he still has one. If he goes to the moon, he still is part of it. Um, and I'm not. He doesn't have to sell it either. He can use TAA for Champ Europe uh, rare pros. So, like I think yeah, that's totally fine too. I'm, but I'm not as adamant about selling a TAA. No, but. I'm not either. I mean, I keep I'm saying it, but I'm just trying to give him realistic paths to generating some ETH that he might might be open to doing. But like yeah, like Kakare, like you can get at least an ETH for a Kakare super rare. I don't see how you'd ever want to play Kak. He was going to buy, John was going to buy the Kakare Unique, and I was just like, um, I don't understand it. Uh, I do agree. I so think Mark you just look, he's won three rewards with Kakare Super Rare. I think that's enough where you're just like, oh, you're, he's not using it enough correct, to justify keeping it. And, and I would say, like, if you look at it too, right, the one week where he won the only reward of value there realistically, Kakare produced 8% of the points. So it just, it wasn't a... Uh, so Mark makes a good point. He's saying sell Vonnegut because you can buy Vonnegut back. I think that makes sense. You could sell Vonnegut for one ETH and or 1.5 ETH. And then if, if realistically, if you want Hans Vonnegut back, you could get Hans Vonnegut back relatively easily. Um, so yeah, like we look at this, like imagine if that was a decent to good level super, like let's click on the drop down. How many points did he need for a podium here? That was a long time. He was, uh... It was. So you need 55 more points from a podium. He's only 10 away from it. So if he had a decent level super rare there, that's all of a sudden a, uh, that's a tier zero, which is a tremendous difference in reward. Obviously, like, Kachu is smashed and exceeded expectations for everyone thus far. Sure, but, sure. Um, there's, just, there's just cards to sell to generate that yep. I think makes sense. Um, Mark makes a good point. You can sell people that have a lot of supply, and you can always buy them back if you want. Sure. And that's why Mark says don't sell TA. Totally. I get it. I yep. into that and totally understand that. I think that's a reasonable thing. There are just players that I think if you are trying to generate ETH and you're trying to generate 10 to 15 ETH and you're trying to do it relatively simple, you can sell. Like we keep scrolling, like Nuno Mendez. Like I'm selling Nuno Mendez. I just don't think he's very good. Um, Alexander Nubel. Like I'm selling that card. I don't think that card makes much sense for him. Um, but, I mean, 
the fact that he right here has Cherky and Doku, That's... at least like shows the, th those are the kind of cards that like eat up ETH that you're not doing anything with. Correct. They eat up ETH that you can't use um, and you can't play them. Because like realistically speaking, how many times this past year could you have used either of them? Like literally never. Literally no times. And that's one and a half ETH tied up in two guys you literally could not play a single time last year. Um, and like I, I remember Leon had like a random game that was like super short week where not many people played and was before like Cherokee was like totally out of it. You still didn't play him. Like you still generally would play other people. Um, I, I just think like, for example, like uh, there are guys that you can just sell and generate ETH to get these guys that you need. And I think if you do that, you can really um, make your lineup a lot stronger and the lineup that you want to be a lot uh, stronger. Yeah. Now, yeah. I'm going to clarify again, guys. We are not saying definitively go sell Trent Alexander-Arnold. We would much rather sell Raphael Leao, but we think we are going to get a lot of fight back. He actually just got a Toby Lason. He uh, he bought it earlier today from uh, Pavel Trader, Mark. Uh, we were talking about that before the show. I thought that was um, no, that was a while ago, wasn't it? He's oh, I it. thought you said it was today. No, 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 no. He's had that one a long time. No. Oh, yeah, it was a year. Yeah. So yeah, the Toby yeah, yeah. super. There are just sharp melts. Way to get that lace and super rare back. And it's like when he got to Kaiser. That's why you do it. That's why you do it. And that's I mean, the Kaiser card is a great card um, to to possibly have in the move. But so realistically speaking, John can generate if he wants. He yeah. also has nine ETH to make things happen, so he possibly doesn't even need to generate more. But you could sell quite a few cards and generate five to 10 more ETH out of this gallery without damaging anything. Um, you yeah, don't I mean, have to sell some of this stuff. Reasonably, like every card from like here down on his roster prices. Sorry, those who are just listening. But like El Haji, super rare, and all the way down, if you sold every single one of these, his gallery doesn't well, like his lineups don't change. I'm not I'm not saying to do that per se. I understand what you're saying, but like if you sell a bunch of guys that are at their floor, it's generally not a good idea. Sure. Um, I, I just mean I'm just trying to show like how many cards correct. are in the gallery that he's just not using. But like, it's it's so really right. like it's about it's all a whole about the like the sexy thing, right? Like if you start selling some of these guys like Cherokee, um I don't even think you see I'm I what I'm saying them. is I think it's okay to hold on to those cards. But sell Storm and Brent and yeah, you know, you're not going to Sugar no, Wars like, rare like those yeah. cards are fine to let go. Like you sell guys that are your boy Wesley, um, my boy, like, yeah. cards like that. Like yeah, it's just realistically speaking, there are ways for him to generate. Yeah, he has a a David Rare. You can totally sell a David Rare. Yeah. You can totally sell like a. Th there's just cards you can move that won't impact you whatsoever and get the guys in that you need. And if you get the guys in that you need, it's going to make those elite level Trent Alexander-Arnold's worth a lot more. Yeah, um, I, as well. I meant it more just as like a general lesson for everyone. Like, I, yeah. like we know that most people don't have 90 ETH galleries, Correct. but a lot of people have cards at the end of their galleries that they never use. And, and if that's the case, you're just like, oh, well, it's good to have depth. And it's like, if if you have nothing going with these cards, let them go and buy the depth later, like oh. buy the depth when you need it, because they just, these things just like drag down galleries for no reason. We, I, I've been doing it. You, and you're aware to some extent, like I've been buying more marquee level cards um, that 
can actually be productive for me going forward. Like Jota, like I, in the past, have not bought as many marquee level cards as I probably should. Um, but I'm trying to buy more marquee level cards that can really benefit my gallery in general. The, the depth definitely helps. Like I love having depth because I get to play matchups. I get to play a lot of lineups in weird weeks where I get a churn where maybe I don't need as high up scores as well. Um, so it's a whole different thing. But but John here, like I, we talked about before the show, John has more U23 pieces than I do. But my U23 generation over the course of this year has been really, really good, despite not having stuff like that. Um, yeah. And he has the ability to do it. He just needs to do some small tweaks with his gallery. Yeah, yeah. I think there's an important lesson here that when you never walk alone and Nanzo or both Nanzo are both saying don't sell Trent. I think maybe we shouldn't sell Trent. No, and I'm fine not selling Trent because I think Trent has, you can play Trent in champ. You can play him in U23. You can play him in global. So like having two Trents isn't the end of the world. Um, it's just, I'm just looking for ways to generate significant amounts of ETH without selling tons of depth. But like, yeah, when you look through the depth, like sell David, like, I mean, cool Bali, like I love cool Bali, but like, do you need a cool Bali? Maybe not. Well, um, he's got a, he, well, he had a Napoli, well, he has a Napoli stack. Well, um, maybe, you no, know, yeah, but maybe you go, like you said, you could buy Ter Stegen if, if Koulibaly goes to uh, to Barca and then they figure out how to do some shady stuff to get him in, you're good to go. But there's just like looking through stuff. Like, does John need an Efrain Alvarez? No. Right. Yeah. You no. could sell an Efrain Alvarez. Like, does he need a Cole Bassett? No. Like, Cole Bassett couldn't even crack the field for Colorado. Um, I think Nubel, like, he doesn't need a Nubel, Nuna Mendez, um, like, Cat, like, Cat Race stuff like that like there there are ways to cut this one eth at a time um there are ways to cut it significantly i would sell kuliszewski i don't think there's that card's just a big card i wouldn't want for me um i would sell kuliszewski and yep. i would sell layal and if you sell those two and then just reassess so mark since you're here and you're adamant about the ta would you sell a rafael layal and kuliszewski super rares um i think you said earlier he would sell layal Okay, yeah. So, like, I mean, layout at nine ETH seems absurd to me. I, I don't see how you don't sell layout. Well, um, well, just because one person bought it nine ETH doesn't mean someone else will. But it true. does. It is just kind of funny to see a gallery with two TAAs, a Bellingham, Courtois, Donnarumma, Van Devoort, and the most expensive card is a Raphael Leal. So even though it's a super rare. Um, what is the what is the current price point on Allison? four five, and a half about five five ish five ish was the latest one yeah so mark hates layout yeah i'm not a big i don't really believe in layout much either i, I think there's just other options on layout but like yeah you sell layout like your nine ETH becomes 18 ETH immediately and then you saw a few other pieces boom you're at 25 you can do a shitload of stuff with 25 ETH right now do you think that this deal was going down somebody's like i'll give you 4.85 for allison they were like no, no no let me get that yannick agamon limit i i there's always weird stuff. Like when people do like a four person trade and then add like 0.05 ETH, it's like, do you really need the 0.05 ETH? Was that like the the thing? I think the He's reason they do this is so that it doesn't show up on the price graph. We're, we think he needs to get a differentiator. That's kind of what we're talking about. And we're talking about he needs to get those elite level um, U23s. I think John getting a... Uh, Since when is Trent not a differentiator? Yeah, Trent's a differentiator to me. Um, I think Trent's a differentiator. And then Mbappe, like if he goes and buys an Mbappe rare, which we think is a realistic option, 
you running a lineup of Donnarumma, TAA, and Mbappe, and then pairing it with two elite level superers or good enough level superers, that's totally a good enough lineup to go and win frequently. Is Vinicius enough? Yeah, I mean Vinicius would be fine. That would like be you fine. don't need like, like you don't want to go all the way to Mbappe. I think getting Vinicius is fine. Yeah, I think that's fine too. Or you could go by Jota, like we talked about. You could go by Jota. Um, Jota's and- not sexy. Jota's sexy right now. Not right enough. now he's sexy. Challenger players aren't sexy, Sean. He can I, he can finish top twenty every week with that type of group. If he goes and gets those type of players, he can definitely finish top twenty every week. I think the, the, the issue is is like when you're you're pairing. No, when we're telling him to go to go buy that mega star. He's got two trends. What, what's going yeah. on? Yeah, Mark, what's up with this? You're bashing on trends. What is here. going like, on? I don't think we can be hating on your boy Trent this much. But, like, no, the issue is, is, like, you cannot be pairing players like Dejan Kulishevsky and Jonathan David. You cannot be plugging those guys in the lineup realistically. Um, those guys are just the guys that are not getting the job done because they're not supporting guys like Trent well enough to get that job done. Yep. Did you oh, see Netherlands absolutely dumped on Belgium today, by the way? He's saying that he needs a dip, super rare differentiator. Um, yeah, I don't disagree. That's why we're saying that he needs to go buy those guys. Like you don't necessarily need to spend 15 ETH to go buy a U23 differentiator. Yeah. He needs an upgrade on Leal, David Kulishevsky, which is exactly what we're saying. Like we would be dumping those guys, his super rares. That's, that was the whole beginning premise to our discussion is that his super rares are not good enough. He has a lot of strong rares. He doesn't have the super rares to support those strong rares. Um, and if he can go and actually get those super rares that can come in and support those elite level rares, that's where he should be going on things up as well, going into this upcoming season. Like you don't need to be spending 35 ETH to necessarily get a elite level super rare player. You could get a two to three ether. Like, so could be really good this year. Um, well, I would rather 12 ETH for Mbappe rare or 9.75 for Chuameni super rare. Correct. So, Mark, we what we do with the gallery reviews is we recommend the path that the person wants to go down. And John clearly wants to go down the U23 path more so than um, a, the Champ Europe path, effectively. So that's yeah. why we're doing it. But like Solet, like Solet could be really, really good at Salzburg this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be a differentiator card that's a really good card. Like, is he. Jurian Timber, no, but he's a really good card that can score that well. Uh, Zion Fleming could be a really strong card that's really good. Um, there's what about 5 Rodrigo Super Rare? He could go buy a Rodrigo Super Rare. <laughs> exactly. I still can't believe he got 60 uh, Realistically, maybe John should just become a trader if he can get stuff like that. Like, if, if Jesper Carlson yes, stays... SO5 he, seems really stupid if you can make trades like that. True, exactly. Like, if you can get Jesper Carlson for, like, 7 ETH and Jesper Carlson stays at Alkmaar, that's a differentiator that you can go get. That's a better card than what Leal is. For sure. John definitely needs more lasagna and coleslaw photos, and he needs to sell them on OnlyFans to to bolster up the budget, um, for sure. We've now gone from all of John's sexiness to now talking about OnlyFans, so I think it's time to... uh... Ties in well. Yeah, I think it's time to cut us off because we're losing it. Um, so yeah, that's John's gallery review. Uh, hopefully, he um, 
we'll be able to take some good lessons from it. I hope that the 90 ETH gallery lessons uh, still apply to others um, since most people don't have 90 ETH galleries, but I think it was important. Like some of the things that we talked about that were really important were like making sure that you surround you know, your good players with other good ones, which is kind of a topic we've talked about before. Um, and just making sure that you prioritize like the right things. You're not building like your best rare pro line or best rare division lineup if you have uh, rare pro priorities and or super rare. So make sure that what you're building towards is what you actually want to win as opposed to just getting lineups in to enter. So do that. Um, thank you everybody who has uh, joined us in the chat this was a particularly long discussion, but uh, you guys um, made it a lot easier to get, you know, to talk about different points. Thank you to Hendo for bringing up the Mbappe part because um, we were both uh, excited to get to that one. So it was nice that uh, you guys are recognizing kind of where we're going, um, kind of shows that um, we have some familiarity, which is always nice. If you haven't already, if you guys could please hit the like button on the video, that would be great. Uh, if you're listening to the audio version, there was a lot of, um, visual stuff in this one. But um, if you listen, please rate and review wherever you do. Um, I'll be back early next week. Uh, Andy will be back for Sora Andrews earlier in the week. And then Sean and I will be back next Friday for the strategy show. Um, so yeah, thank you, everyone. And Sean, I'll talk to you later.